0: I'm starting a new series today uh, called Thankful, because sometimes I'm not. Uh, and uh, I've said many times, uh, Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday. Uh, there's minimal stress, no trying to figure out body, what's the right gift, what's the wrong gift, uh, all that kind of good stuff. It's just, um, it is It's uh, food. Uh, football, my wife insists on football on Thanksgiving, and so I, I go along with it. Uh, the commercialism, if you leave out Black Friday, is minimal, right, not a lot of people trying to make big money off of Thanksgiving. Uh, I can think of no year where Thanksgiving is more important than this year. Uh, so uh, so let's jump into uh, to the series. A lot of money has been spent, um, and a lot of money has been made over the years by theologians and preacher types writing about and teaching about how to know and do the will of God. And I mean, you could, if you write a book on this is what the will of God is, people are going to buy that book, probably. Preacher says, hey, this week I'm talking about the will of God. You're probably tuning in. We love that topic, it's very exciting. We all want to know what's God's will for my life, but when we're thinking about that, of course, what we're thinking about, depending on what part of life we're in, is who does He want me to marry? What's His will for for marriage? Or where does He want me to go to school? Uh, Or uh, what job? What's His will in my life for my job? What career path does God want me to follow? Where does He want me to live? What house does He want me to buy? How many children? What is God's will? We pray and we search and we wring our hands over whether we've done the right thing or the wrong thing, whether we're in God's will or out of God's will, whether we've zigged when we should have zagged and therefore sent us spiraling off in some direction Uh, that's not God's will. In truth, um, that's not really what I'm talking about today, but it does relate to it because uh, it reminds me that God's will for our lives is not nearly as specific uh, as we think. Uh, He's a whole lot more concerned about whether we're living the way that he teaches us to live in Scripture uh, than he is about what job we ultimately have or even who we marry. Uh, There are some things, however, that God is very specific about uh, in conveying what his will is. One of those things we find in 1 Thessalonians 5, 18, where the Apostle Paul teaches us, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Hard to get more specific than that, right? Pretty pretty specific. You want to know what God's will is for your life? Well, here's a part of God's will for your life and for my life: it's that we give thanks. Uh, And in case you're wondering, I I drilled down in different translations, everything from Wycliffe to the message, right? And they all convey the same thing, and this is it. God's will for your life is that you give thanks in everything. Now, being thankful is not in our nature, right? Um, That's why, uh, you know, parents start early trying to teach their kids to be thankful. It's not natural. Right, you do this thing with your kids—you know, sign language for thankful. Say thank you, say thank you, say thank you. Right, and eventually the kid learns if they flick their hand around a little bit, that's good enough. Right, they're, they're, they've learned—not that they're grateful—they've just learned that they, if they give you that sign, then you'll leave them alone and give them what they want. Being thankful is not natural. What is natural is. No in mine. You don't have to teach anybody to say that. They figure that out all, all, all on their own. Um, those are natural reactions. They're my natural reactions, and they're your natural reactions, too, by the way. We're just a whole lot more diplomatic in how we present it as adults. When we do express gratitude, it is often insincere, all right? We do it because we're being forced to do it by someone in authority, Or because if we pretend to be grateful, maybe we'll get more stuff. Or because polite society requires it of us, right? Oh, thank you, Aunt Susie, for this sweater. It is beautiful. So thank you so much, right? That's what polite manners require. While thankfulness is not in our nature, what is in our nature is a sense of entitlement, right? Um, When I say entitlement, I mean the attitude that something is owed to us even though we haven't done anything to deserve it or in any way earn it. You know, things that we think we're entitled to by the virtue of the fact that we breathe air. Uh, entitlement is very easy uh, to, to fall into. I got a, a, a co-worker of mine. He, uh, he has a little snack box in his office and I've been trying not to buy as many snacks uh, because, you know, money and weight, right? So I don't want to sit around my office all day eating snacks. But his wife gave him a snack box where he's got all of these snacks in it, and especially these really great peanut butter crackers. And so I was hungry one day, and I, went, and I mentioned it, and he said, hey, man, I got snacks in my office. Come get some. And then I had these peanut butter crackers. They were good I was very grateful to him. Thank you so much. Thank your wife for me, for the snacks. And then the next day, thought I'm hungry. I'm going to get me some more of those peanut butter crackers. Hey, man, do you mind if I get some more of those crackers? No, 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 no. I guess go ahead. Yeah, more, more crackers. Next day he wasn't in his office. It's like he's not going to mind. I went ahead and got me some more peanut butter crackers. That went on for a little while until eventually the peanut butter crackers were gone. And I said, where are the crackers, man? You know, I mean, it had gone from a, wow, thank you so much for these crackers to where are my crackers at, right? I mean, that's what's, that's what's called entitlement. Where are my crackers? I didn't do anything to deserve it, but I've had them for so long now. Uh, give them back. Not only do we have a, a sense of entitlement about a lot of things in life, especially in our country, but we have low pain thresholds, right? Low tolerance for discomfort uh, and inconvenience. Uh, and just generally for things not going our way. Um, that condition makes us prone to bubbling, whining, and moaning about how hard life is anytime the least little thing doesn't go our way. Which brings me back to Paul who knew a thing or two about things not going his way. And he also knew a thing or two about gratitude. He makes reference to the act of being grateful about, by my unscientific count, about 35 times in his epistles. That's a lot. And it's kind of remarkable, uh, considering the circumstances in which Paul lived, Uh, First of all, let's remember, um, by and large, he lived in a world with no indoor plumbing, air conditioning, running water, sanitation system to speak of, or motorized vehicles. The government was, to put it mildly, hostile to his value system and beliefs. He was beaten, stoned, whipped, imprisoned on multiple occasions and spent a lot of time literally running for his life. He was the greatest preacher who ever walked on earth, not named Jesus, but he struggled financially and often had to take on second jobs to feed himself. In fact, most of the time, that's what he was doing. He suffered from an unknown illness that was so serious that he asked God to take it away multiple times, but God said no. And In fact, I'll just let Paul tell you directly. In 2 Corinthians 11, starting in verse 24, Paul says, five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Why 39? Because the law prohibited anything over 40. And so they did 39 because they didn't want to risk. They could do 40, but they didn't want to risk going to 40 because if they went to 41, they'd be in trouble. So 39. But they did it five times. So uh I asked Siri to calculate that for me. 195 lashes he got over some period of time. Verse 25, three times I was beaten with rods. Now that was by the Romans and they didn't care how many times they hit you. And these these rods were big, heavy rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once... I spent a whole night and day adrift at sea, probably very cold and hypothermic, I would imagine. Verse 26, I have traveled on many long journeys. I have faced danger from rivers and from robbers. I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced dangers in the cities, in the deserts, and on the seas. And I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. Verse 27, I have worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I have been hungry and thirsty and have often gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. Then, besides all this, I have the daily burden of my concern For all of the churches. But God, the Starbucks line is so long. It's wrapped all the way around the building three times. How will I ever get my coffee? Um, And and I I, I like the the verse 28 there. And and only a a pastor can relate to this. Here's all of the list of things that he's going through, these horrible things. And then also, by the (laughs) way, I have the daily burden and concern for all the churches. Did you know that your pastor has things that go on in his life that aren't perfect, that he's concerned about, but he also spends a lot of time being concerned about the things going on in your life. And by the way, although Scripture doesn't tell us how Paul died, there's pretty good extra biblical evidence uh, that... Emperor Nero cut his head off. And when Paul is telling Timothy that he is about to be poured out as a drink offering, the time of his departure is at hand. It's very likely that Paul knew exactly what was fixing to happen to him. He couldn't be crucified because he was a Roman citizen, but he knew the form of execution that he was likely to face. You don't think he was scared? He was just a man. Great man. But just a man. Yet this same guy who faced difficulties you cannot fathom. Some of you guys have been through some hard stuff. I mean, Some of you men have seen war. But nothing that we have endured in this life comes close to what the apostle Paul endured in his. Yet this same guy never stops in every situation expressing gratitude to God. See, for Paul, Thanksgiving wasn't a holiday. It was a habitual act. It was an everyday thing. So I want us to take a few moments this morning to ask the question, how could a man that endured so much pain, so much loss, so much hardship, on a daily basis, be so thankful to God on a regular basis? And so here's what I would propose to you. One reason, first reason. Paul knew what he had been before he met Jesus. In the book of Acts, we can read Paul's uh, recounting of the man he was. Acts 22, 4. Here's who he was. I persecuted the followers of this way to their death, arresting both men and women, and throwing them into prison. Chapter 26, verse 10. I put many of the Lord's people in prison, and when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. He didn't kill them himself. He just advocated for their deaths. Verse 11. Many a time I went from one synagogue to another to have them punished, and I tried to force them to blaspheme. Right? He, he, would go, he would try to force them to renounce Christ. I was so obsessed with persecuting them that I even, I even hunted them down in foreign cities. See, it wasn't good enough for Paul to just persecute the Christians, the followers of Jesus in Jerusalem. No, he, he went, he traveled long distances to find other cities to root out the followers of Jesus, to persecute, and if he had his way, kill them. Paul was called directly by Jesus, right, on the Damascus Road. He met Jesus on the road to Damascus. He was truly God's man, but he didn't forget what he had been before Jesus found him, a murderer of men and women, a man who hunted down the followers of Jesus. And not only did he know what he'd been, he knew what he was. Here's what he tells Timothy, 1 Timothy 1.15. Here's a trustworthy saying, he says. Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. In Romans 7.18, Paul says, And I know that nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature. I want to do what's right, but I can't. Paul recognized that his sinful nature remained with him and would remain in him as long as he inhabited an earthly body. Paul knew he was a sinner. He knew what he'd been. He knew what he was. And he knew what he deserved. Right? Romans 6 23, the wages of sin is death. Paul recognized that what he deserved, what was fair to him, was death, and eternal separation from a righteous God. And that's what you and I deserve. That's what's fair. If God were to give us what we are owed... He would leave us in our sin to experience eternal separation from him in hell. And not just eternal separation from him, but eternal separation from everyone else. Um, ACDC said, on the highway to hell, all my friends are going to be there. Well, they might be, but you won't know or care. alone in a lake of fire where there is no light because God is not there. Because Paul knew what he'd been, he knew what he was, he knew what he deserved. He's also capable of knowing the wonderful gift that he had been given. Back to Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our lord 1 Corinthians 15:54 Paul talks about the victory that he has when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die this scripture will be fulfilled this is the gift that God has given death is swallowed up in victory O oh death where is your victory O oh death where is your sting For sin is the sting that results in death verse 57 but thank God Paul says thank God he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ Paul knew the victory probably cuz he was so close to death all the time And and here's another amazing thing that Paul knew. The gift of eternal life, the gift of victory over sin and death comes with another promise that Paul tells us about. First Thessalonians chapter four, I'm going to read to you from the amplified uh, version uh, verses 15 through 18. For we say this to you by the Lord's own word. That we who are still alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will in no way proceed into his presence, those believers who have fallen asleep in death. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a shout of command, with the voice of the archangel and with the blast of the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain on the earth will simultaneously be caught up, raptured together with them, the resurrected ones in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort and encourage one another with these words concerning our reunion with believers who have died. Because we have been promised that we will share eternity with Jesus and with the believers who have gone before us. You don't think Paul had lost people along the way? He knew the gift that he had been given, the gift that death would be defeated, that he would spend eternity with Jesus and be reunited with the believers who had preceded him. So back to our original question. Why would a guy who lived such a difficult life be constantly grateful And I think if you asked him that question, Paul would say, how could I not be grateful? How could I not be thankful? Every day, he would say, Romans 8, 18, what we suffer now is nothing, nothing compared to the glory God will reveal to us later. Paul would say, it's God's will for me to be thankful in all circumstances, Right? And I can do that because of what God has done for me and for what awaits me when I'm done here. And so today, if you're like me, and you're a follower of Jesus, we should all be following Paul's example of habitual gratitude, right? Daily, the practice of daily gratitude. What does that look like? it doesn't just happen right that's not our nature our nature is entitlement our nature is mine our nature is i can't believe this happened i don't deserve this gratitude doesn't just happen it's an intentional act we must act it out every day we must speak to our children when we're at the dinner table about how good God is to our family and our friends. We must, as Paul did, publicly acknowledge the goodness of God in our lives. And, and by the way, I, I, I am all for, um, hey, the, thanking God for the material things in our lives. That's important, right? I mean, we do that. Hey, God, thank you for the house that we get to live in. Thank you that the car is running today because it doesn't always, right? Uh, Thank you for the material things that we enjoy. Um, And when this thing is going bad over here, you know, we say, hey, okay, it's not going my way here, but thank God, you know, I have this. And that's important. But let me tell you something that's consistent. No matter what's going on here, the consistent thing that you can always be thankful for that will never, ever change if you're a follower of Christ is what awaits you when your time on this earth is done. That will never change. The victory that you have over death will never change. It can never be taken away from you. You can daily be thankful for that. So let's talk about it daily with each other. When we sit down and we say, thank you, God, for this food, let's thank him. Let's, let's express what, we're, what else we're grateful for. And we must show gratitude not just through our words, but in our actions. You know, grateful, people, grateful people give back to God out of the bounty that he's given to them. And I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about time. I'm talking about talent. Acts of generosity uh, are evidence of the grateful attitude that you have. Paul says it's the will of God to be thankful in all circumstances. And of course, we're not thankful for all circumstances. That would be crazy. And that's not what Paul says. Being thankful in all circumstances doesn't mean that we pretend that problems don't exist, that horrible things don't happen. Paul says, they do. We know, <laughs> you've lived more than five minutes on this planet. You know that they do. We don't pretend that bad things don't exist. In fact, it's just the opposite. Right? I mean, it's easy to say God is good when life is easy. When everything's going your way. Right? When you got a good job, the right guy's in office, Whoever that right guy is, you know, it's easy to be thankful when we feel like or we perceive that everything is going our way. But I want you to remember this. God is most glorified to the world when we shine a light on his goodness in the darkest of times. God is most glorified in the world when we shine a light on his goodness in the darkest of times. And, you know, I have, this year, struggled, uh, as maybe you have, with being grateful, with being thankful. You know, I mean, it's, 2020 has become a little bit of a bad joke, right? I mean, one thing after another, my brother and I were talking on the phone the other night and something had gone wrong for him. And, and he said, hey, I don't know what else I should have expected, it's 2020. Right, and we've all had a similar conversation like that with someone, right? And I don't think it's, uh, maybe you're having a great year, I don't know. Uh, but I don't think it's been a very good year uh, for, for, for many of us. And I will say personally, you know, losing my dad, you know, my pastor, my counselor, my best friend. I mean, it has it has brought me to some dark places. More difficult than I would have ever imagined it could be. But I want you to know that in the darkness, God has given to me something that I didn't have before. And part of that is an awareness of the gift that he has given me through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He could have left me and he could have left you in my sin separated for eternity from him and from the ones that I love. But he sent his son to suffer and die so that I, who deserve nothing, would not have to be separated from him but that I could be reunited with him and with those that have gone before me. I can be reunited with my dad. With my grandfathers. And with all of those who've gone before me because of the gift Of Jesus Christ. How can you not be grateful for that? How can you not be grateful for that hope when you think of what the alternative is? I couldn't take it. Thank you, God, for the gift. The present sufferings of this world are very present. and very painful. And sometimes the pain is overwhelming and it washes over you like a wave and throws you in a hole that you feel like you might not get out of. The pain was overwhelming for Paul too, by the way. And he talks about it a lot because he wants people to know, my life isn't easy. My life hasn't been easy, but God is good because of the gift of Jesus. The world is full of present suffering, but that suffering is very, very temporary. Horrible sometimes. But temporary, and nothing, 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 nothing compared to the eternity that's coming. And I tell you today, it is coming. And it may be today. We can be thankful in all of our temporary circumstances. because they can't compare to the joy that awaits us. And I want to challenge me and you, right? Especially as we come into this Thanksgiving season, this Christmas season that's going to be here before we know it. It's already here if you're walking to any store or anything like that, right? I want to challenge us to make a habit of being thankful. When you sit down for lunch, today, talk about how good God has been to you, and specifically about the gift of Jesus Christ, the victory over sin and death. And it's amazing how the sufferings of this present world, when you experience them, make eternity feel very real and very close and very important and the gift of God becomes a much more real thing. Talk about it when you're driving down the road. right? When you're posting your thoughts and opinions on social media, (laughs) as much as your deep insights on things may be important to some people, um, what's really important is sharing with the world how good God is and how good he's been in your life, especially this year, especially this year. The world needs to see God's people being grateful, not complaining about things didn't go my way, not complaining about the government, not complaining about all of the other things that we complain about, most of the things that we just anticipate that are bad things that are gonna happen, The world needs to see God's people being grateful. How can you be grateful? The world will say in such a horrible year, in such a horrible time. And then you get to say, let me tell you, let me tell you. And when you see needs that need to be met in other people's lives, physical needs, you be the one to say, how can I help? We're not here, although this world is full of many beautiful things, many beautiful things. I like to experience them and I plan to experience them. Many wonderful opportunities, many joyous times and we should be grateful for them all. The reason that we're ultimately here is not necessarily for our comfort and convenience but so that we can influence people for Christ because the day is coming when all of these temporary things will be over. And then eternity begins. And that's what's important. That's what's important. Being united with God, with Jesus, being reunited with the believers that have preceded us, that's such an amazing gift. And if you know someone Who doesn't know Jesus? Man, I hope your heart is on fire for that person, that you're convicted to share the good news of Jesus with them so that they will not be in danger of suffering that separation. God is good. He's good to you and he is good to me. The blood of Jesus has given us the victory. Um, And man, thank you, Father, for loving us, for giving us good things. Thank you for the words of the Apostle Paul. I can't even imagine the life that he lived. I can't imagine the suffering that he endured. All of the things that I find so difficult about life are is pale in comparison to the life that he lived, but yet he found a way to be grateful to you every day, pressed but not crushed, persecuted daily, but he knew he had not been abandoned by you that his salvation was real and that eternity was coming. Thank you for his example. Help us to live like we believe it, that we believe eternity is coming as grateful people reflecting your love to a world that desperately needs you. We'll give you the glory, Father, for everything that you've done everything that you will do. In the holy name of Jesus.